Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Tony Kennett from The Daily Signal. He's an investigative journalist. He's also my co-host for this afternoon, filling in for Jason Hammer. Tony, how are you? Absolutely fantastic. Nigel, how are you? Uh, really good, man. Thanks. I was not surprised at all to hear Mitch Daniels is not running for Senate in 2024. Neither I mean, he's, I. He's, he's, he's had a long career, worked for Bush in the early 2000s, that administration, uh, Served as governor from, I think, what, 2005 to 2013. Very successful uh, stint as as governor of this state. I mean, he had a huge profile. People loved him. And then equally as successful as Purdue's president until the end of last year. He's in his early 70s. And I, I, I never really thought or believed that he was going to run for Senate. I just, I just it's, it's like, you know, he's he's done enough. He's done it all. And it's not. I'm not surprised by it. People are like, I think people were campaigning for him. Like the like the right. He's the establishment like last shot. The people that really just don't like banks for some reason. They're like, oh, I hope that he'll run in and he's safe and warm. He's like a like a blanket at home. <laughs> and I, I like I mean this in in the the most respectful ways. Mitch Daniels was kind of a mentor. Starting off chalkboard review, he gave us some advice getting that off the ground back when I was getting into education journalism. A very intelligent man. Have a lot of respect for him. I do not mean this as an insult. The dude is old and he looks tired. Quit pushing people who should be allowed to go retire with their families to run for office because you can't produce any good politicians in your generation. Let the guy rest. He's tired. I don't want some old man dragging his feet to the U.S. Capitol. I want him home with his family, which he has earned. And, and, and rest assured, when you start a sentence off with, I don't mean this as an insult. Well, I mean, if I say, oh, You're he, about to get insulted. No, I'm, I, I, I really like him, and I've had a lot of good conversations with him and I know that if I'm like well he's old I'll get direct messages in my Twitter you shouldn't say that no I mean it's okay to be old and not run for things anymore that's okay um his statement really didn't even make it sound like he ever considered it uh, I conclude that it's just not the job for me not the town for me I loved that part and not the life I want to live at yeah. this point screw that town DC's so it's terrible like we, were, we were all ta- <laughs> we were all talking about it we were we were all uh predicting it and I don't think he really ever even considered it or even I mean you know his family probably looked at him and said yeah You've done a lot, Dad. No, being governor is far more important than being a United States senator. He did it. He did it well. Good. Go home and rest. You've earned it. You you think being governor is more important than being one of the most 100 most powerful people in the in the country? I believe that the sovereign states that make up these United States of America are far more important than the senators we send to D.C. Yes. But they are. I mean, there's no question. They're powerful. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. They're incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, And... You know, all of those things. Of course, the the bastardization of that position that took place since we stopped using state legislatures to send them to D.C. instead of Mm. direct election. So so who, you know, so Braun is going to leave the Senate, come run for governor. Yeah. 
and that Senate seat will be open. I mean, it's Banks to lose it. Jim Banks to lose at this point, right? Really? And I, I got to tell you, we have like no one notable running for office in the state of Indiana. Like, who are our like young or uh, in the prime of their political game power players really running in to change things? We have nobody. We have to like look and like lift old logs in the woods to find people to run for governor, <laughs> to run for the Senate. So yeah, it really is his race to, to lose. I, I don't see anyone else who's going to come in and what like knock Sparks? it out for I don't think she's going to run. I, I just don't think that she's ready yet. I think that she needs more time to establish I mean, herself look, in the district. She's she's well known. She in the is state well known. for sure. She has yes. a national profile on cable news all the time for her perspective on the war in Ukraine. And she, you know, she immigrated very here well spoken. I just don't necessarily see her as being prominent in Indiana-based policy. Whereas as Banks comes out ready to fight for the state of Indiana, Sparts has a more refined take on more. Certain policy issues that are more specific to her areas of study. Holcomb didn't do anything after he. Oh, God, I hope that. not. I hope like <laughs> leaving. <laughs> I hope he runs to a different state. That's that's what I'm hoping for Holcomb. Okay, so uh, this is WIBC.com. If you run for the school board in Indiana, you don't get any help from political parties. You don't. You don't have to put a party designation next to your name when you run you're not allowed this. to. You're not allowed to put right. uh, a party affiliation next to your name. Uh, lawmakers are considering a bill to change that to put Good. that little D or the little R or next an L. To the name. If you're, you know, a Rob oh. Kendall, <laughs> a libertarian or an independent or a G for green. I, or, uh, <laughs> so now, you know. believe it or not, there's some opposition to this bill, and we'll get to why why this bill is kind of controversial. Um, they say it invites politics into school. Uh, board races. There have never been politics in elections before. What is this chaos? I can't believe it. Uh, it would it would change the perspective of voters because of of the uh, the D's and the R's. Next I to love the that line so much. So here's what that here. So I'll translate that line. It would change the perspective of voters. They are saying if I run as a progressive, no one will vote for me in the state of Indiana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the point. That's the point. I don't want to vote for you if you're a progressive in the state of Indiana. I like my conservative and liberty-based candidates. Deal with it. I'm I'm sorry that you love your pronouns. I, I'm not voting for you, Kendra. So, so you th- like because man, there's some there was are some crazy people like really progressive um, uh, people on school boards that ran for school board and won like in Zionsville. Oh for yeah, example. yeah. Oh, I remember. Mm. Um, and and I just don't think people. I mean, tell me tell me what the case is for having an R and a D next to your name there. Look, as, I'm as not saying that, that you should have to. You feel free to run as an independent. Feel free to put no letter next to your name. My opinion is this: if I want to communicate to the larger community, yeah. I am running as a Republican, or if I'm in IPS, I am running as a Democrat. I should have the right to be allowed to establish myself as a political candidate for this party, if they'll have me, because you have to get approved by your party, that should be my right. Why are you restricting what I can put on the ballot next to my name when the local dog catcher gets to put Democrat or Republican next to his or her name? It's just fair. It's the, But that is funny. State Senator Andrea Hunley is the one that said that. I'm expressing concern that it would change the perspective of voters. No one's going <laughs> to vote for the Democrats, guys. We're in Indiana. It bleeds red once you get outside of Indianapolis. Um, and Bloomington. Okay, something else going on in the legislature. A lawmaker is targeting furries in schools. So, says, so the, so says the headline. Yeah. Um, it's working its way through the Senate. It would reiterate that 
schools are allowed to enforce dress codes and curb disruptive behavior and address concerns about students identifying as furries, um, which I, I don't know that this furry thing is is real in terms of like, you know, putting litter boxes in boys and girls bathrooms have you heard about all yeah, that so stuff? i received a, a text uh, a couple of months ago uh, when there was a rumor that in, in kokomo there were litter boxes in the school and <laughs> yeah. actually a teacher messaged me and said hey when you hear this story she's like it's not true i'm i'm very much against all of the kinds of garbage that's in school no it's it's not happening there however that said indiana as a state as a culture does have a very weird fascination with furries indiana is tied with oregon for the number one search on pornhub.com for furry porn <laughs> that is a statistic just from this last year there are a large number of indiana students who go to school oh, in junior God. high and high school and hiss at each other and wear really weird crap because that's just a cultural facet it has been for a long time I don't have a problem with legislators passing, you know, bills regarding holding a dress code at all. I don't care. I have but that's what this really is, right? Yeah. That's oh, what this really is, is a dress code. Yeah, it, if you actually read the text of the bill, it doesn't talk about furries and cat ears and, and tails and stuff. It just talks okay. about dress code. That's the whole thing. Both sides are blowing it out of proportion. I do love the bleeding from the LGBTQ advocates saying that, you know, this is this is going to be how we have the fascist, you know, red dresses uh, from uh, that that one. What is the one with the red dresses and the white bonnets? Uh, made handmade handmade still. Handmade still. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be that in schools. It's like no, it's just <laughs> she's just not going to be able to wear a cat fursuit to school. So, but it's just funny that this is it doesn't all these articles that I've read makes it seem like it's it's all centered around furries and cat litter boxes. But it's just kind of like the don't say gay bill in Florida. Yeah. It had nothing to do with that nickname whatsoever. That was gotta a lie. Get, gotta get those clicks. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. You set him up and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read Booze News because it's really fun. Once it hits your lips, it's so good. To present Booze News, Booze News. Yeah. Tony Kennett is over there filling in for Hammer. I'm Nigel, and I'm sick and tired of these companies publishing their Super Bowl ads before the actual Super Bowl. Like, they give it all away. They blow it. Weren't we talking about this the other day, James? I don't don't know what... I don't remember what... We had some sound... What was uh, what were we talking about the other day? It was um, a, a it commercial, was the Ozzy Osbourne commercial. Yeah, that, right, 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 right. That Ozzy Osbourne commercial. Like they're, and I realize why they're doing this, Tony. It's because they want to get more bang for their buck. They pay uh, a lot of money for these yeah. commercials. Yeah, but they just ruin it. Like this Bush Light commercial looks hilarious. 
but but now that I've already seen it, when I finally see it during the Super Bowl, I'm going to be like, it's old news at that point. Yeah, yeah exactly. No so Bush Light, uh, or as I like to call the Bush Latte, uh, released a Super Bowl ad, you know, two weeks early, and it features Sarah McLaughlin mistakenly thinking she's in one of her ASPCA ads for homeless pets. Yes. She's like, they're out in the woods. She's in a tent and with what she believes is a big, beautiful dog. Three things are required in the great outdoors. Food, drink, and shelter. Hello, I'm Sarah McLaughlin. For just dollars a day, you can help helpless animals find shelter. (laughs) Wrong shelter, Sarah. Also, that's a wolf. <laughs> Head for the mountains. That's awesome. Well, I mean, that's a Super Bowl ad, but, you know, you blow it. You totally ruin the surprise two weeks early, and then when you see it during the Super Bowl, you're like, yeah, I saw that a couple weeks ago. Man, but a, isn't that funny, though? Dude, I'm a I sucker that, for laughing at those Sarah McLaughlin ads. We were just talking about one what? the other day. <laughs> you're laughing at the actual ASPCA ads for homeless pets? It's the What's same wrong, wrong song. And like, it, I, well, I, she, gave the, she gave the song to the charity. I bet she's going to get complaints about this commercial. Everybody likes to complain about something. That's what's funny. That's what's funny to me. Not the ASPCA commercial. It's the complaints. It's the, it's the whining. It's the bleeding like sheep in the field. I love that. She gave the song to charity and it's helped raise millions of dollars for awareness for homeless animals. So complainers that are whining that she's making fun of the ASPCA ads for homeless pets can, you know, that's sit That's down. funny. It is funny. I got to tell you, because those ads are ubiquitous. They're just always, like, just so annoying at the wrong time. And it's always blaring, and it's like 87 pictures oh, man, of Yorkies I, oh, looking I at you. I can't take those ads. Oh, are you uh, one of those people yeah, who are suckered in by the ASPCA I, I, I ads? Can't, I, can't, I can't take them. I hate that. I hate looking at those poor animals. What's wrong? What's the matter with you? They're not. They're not actually. They go in and they get those pets looking all sad and pathetic. <laughs> but they, the they point fluff is, up their fur. They like spray something in their face. They're like, oh, all right, please. you look extra the, sad. The, but, but the, the point is, she's, it's they're raising money for homeless pets. But again, the, the bush, the, the bush at the very end of that clip there was hilarious. I haven't seen it yet. I, I can't wait all to right, see I'll, Sarah I'll, McLaughlin hugging a wolf. That sounds great. Um. More booze news takes us to Richmond, Indiana. Oh, Tony. local stuff. Police in Richmond have arrested a man after they say he <laughs> drunkenly stole an electric <laughs> shopping cart from a nearby Walmart. Isn't that the American dream? <laughs> January 26th will set the scene. Passerby called police to report a suspicious person driving an electric cart <laughs> a few blocks away from Walmart. Officers identified the man as Jack Allen Jr. Said he finished off two bottles of beer from a case that was in the cart and appeared to be intoxicated. So I live right off of US 40, not next to where this guy is driving, a little down the road. I'm over near Greenfield. Okay. But I th- I love living on US 40 for this reason alone. <laughs> the sights that you can see, a man driving a Walmart cart. <laughs> I'll just chugging beer off his gourd. Oh, I mean, you know, yeah, it's a DUI, but man, that is that is one <laughs> low risk DUI. I haven't seen the guy's mugshot yet, but I have a feeling his mugshot would portray a man that you would think would be able to accomplish something like this. Great mugshot, great savings. <laughs> yeah. I, that's good stuff. Um, so yeah, he, they got him. Well, here they got him for theft 
and they got him for public intoxication. This article does not say DUI. Oh, well, there you go, guys. Uh, all of you aspiring reckless behavior individuals out there, Walmart carts <laughs> are the transportation of the future. It's. It, I love the end of this. I think this is from Fox News. I think um, uh, it's unclear if Alan paid for the beer. <laughs> that's, that's how the article ends. We got to get this guy on the phone. Oh, yeah, we do. That's an interview we're never going to forget. If you're Jack Allen Jr., please call call us right now, 239-9393. Uh, one more bit of booze news, and this is, takes me back to the Super Bowl thing again. Uh, but this is more of a tease, though. Crown Royal. Have you seen the Crown Royal ads with Dave Grohl from the yeah. Foo Fighters, the yeah, lead singer? Absolutely. Um, the, the Crown Royal is basically teasing us with Dave Grohl leading up to their Super Bowl ad. So they're not necessarily giving anything away. I don't really get what it is. Here is one they started running over the weekend. Dave Grohl steps up to the mic and he says this. <clears throat> We're good? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's good? Thank you. <laughs> and I have no idea what it means. I love it. I don't know what's going on. That's, but that, that's that, how you do it. That's exactly how you do it. That makes me want to tune into the Super Bowl and see what these commercials are about. Costs very little money, very little editing time. You get to tease something that people like. Everyone goes away happy. And it's just that little weird bit that makes you double take. It's and a not only that, there's another aspect of this with Dave Grohl, the lead singer of one of the biggest rock bands in the world, losing his best friend and his drummer, Taylor Hawkins, uh, last year suddenly. And I was totally wrong. I thought, man, this, you know, Dave Grohl loses Kurt Cobain and then, you know, decades later spends his entire life building up the Foo Fighters to be one of the biggest rock bands in the world. And Taylor Hawkins is truly his best friend. I thought, man, there's no way the Foo Fighters are ever going to play again. Just it's too much. You know, they're not the Foo Fighters without right. Taylor, you know. Right. And then I saw the tribute at Wembley Stadium. And I thought, okay, all right. I was completely and totally wrong. These guys are still going to make music. These guys are still... And Dave Grohl's a funny guy. Yeah. He seems like a down-to-earth funny guy you'd like to sit down and have a beer with. So right. I was totally wrong. I don't know. I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're going on tour. I, I They've done a couple of tribute shows. Taylor Hawkins' 16-year-old son played on a few songs. They played My Hero. They were amazing. He, he was amazing. 16 years old. Lost his old man, but coming from a pretty good drummer pedigree. So, um, yeah, that was the uh, the new Crown Royal commercial. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. My name is Nigel. Tony Kennett from the Daily Signal filling in for Jason Hammer. He's got a special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Absolutely. So Joel is with us today from the Heritage Foundation. There's a lot of shenanigans going on, Nigel, regarding uh, ESG, uh, the um, environmental social governance. Oh, boy, those people. All these limiting, making sure that you're not driving any gasoline vehicles and that you're not burning any coal and that your state is super duper green. And who cares? uh, Who gets hurt? And then there's certain companies that have like ESG ratings. Oh, yeah, yeah. How compliant you are, you know, how, how green the signs on the side of your buildings are, you know, I guess, you know, photosynthesis and all that stuff. Well, Joel's with us today because uh, the Indy Star released an article talking about how the Indiana General
General Assembly is uh, starting to show a little concern about uh, the National Green Movement sticking its hands into our state. And uh, Joel Griffith is over with us from the Heritage Foundation. How you doing, Joel? Hey, I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me today. So uh, give some of us uh, who maybe aren't environmental and finance experts an idea of uh, what ESG is all about. Well, here's the deal. Uh, those uh, folks on the left that want to take us off of our abundant, affordable fossil fuels and want to ban us from driving automobiles, they know that they can't just pass legislation that would do that. There would be an uproar. So what they've been doing is working through international bodies, working through investment houses, working through banks, and they're um, attempting to deprive these companies, such as fossil fuel companies, um, gasoline vehicle manufacturers, anyone that relies on the abundant coal and oil and natural gas resources that we have to manufacture the things that we lo- that we enjoy or to manufacture the energy that we need. They're trying to get banks and other investment firms to stop lending and stop investing in those fossil fuel companies. And what you have, you have situations like you have in Indiana and many other conservative states where you've got state dollars that are going to companies that are actually either boycotting fossil fuel companies or going to investment firms such as BlackRock that manage trillions of dollars going to these investment firms that are trying to push these energy companies away from the affordable fuel uh, resources that we all rely upon. So if that stuff's going on, what kind of an impact is that going to have on uh, the average guy? Obviously, that makes energy energy bills more expensive, makes those things limited. But we've also got a pretty major uh, manufacturing industry in the state, specifically auto manufacturing. I believe the last report that I saw saw that ESG policies are a serious threat to a lot of blue-collar auto manufacturing jobs. Yeah, these ESG policies um, end up having a big impact in the companies that need the capital. You'll see companies have to pay higher in terms of interest rates to receive capital to actually develop. And in cases uh, of a lot of the manufacturing, you'll end up seeing a lot of manufacturing factories actually go out of business. And that's because electricity is a primary component of the manufacturing process. Industrial electricity prices, for instance, in some states like Michigan, have averaged up to two or even three times as pricey as other states in the country. And when you have an electricity prices increase by that much, well, that causes factories to have to shut down and sometimes not just relocate from one place in the country to another place, but at times you see those factories shut down altogether. And by the way, Joel, if if, I, if the electricity prices are increasing, how am I supposed to save all of this money on my uh, brand-new electric vehicle that costs $80,000? <laughs> no, that's right. Well, you'll see the government, of course, try to offer subsidies for you to purchase that. Of course, all that does is obscure the cost because we know yeah. – that money comes from somewhere. And, of course, during the last two years, you realize that there is no such thing as free money. What right. the government might give you in terms of a subsidy or a check, you're going to pay for either by taxes or by inflation. Well, they keep saying that you're, you're doing things for the planet by introducing, quote, low-carbon alternatives in that smooth, sultry, greasy salesman voice to meat and dairy. They're undermining our agricultural industries by, like, leaps and bounds. Uh, a lot of farmers that I know in eastern central Indiana are really frustrated uh, that uh, they're being pressured into using electric farm vehicles and targeting their fertilizer use. Didn't this just cause, like, revolts in the Netherlands? I know exactly right. Uh, they very clearly, these, these supranational organizations, the investment firms, they're trying to force farmers 
to to uh, transition to lower carbon alternatives and meat and dairy products, and that drives up prices not just for the farmers, or in some cases actually completely puts them out of business, but of course that results in higher prices for the end user as well. But look, that is the end goal of those on the radical left. Yeah. They know that most of us, look, I know there's some great vegans out there, but most of us enjoy our chicken and our beef. And thankfully in our country, the middle class, we were able up until recently to get a nice filet mignon at Costco for $10. Well, they know that if they drive up the cost on those meat sources, we are going to consume less meat. Look, if prices on beef double, we probably will end up eating, um, I would say, a lot more oatmeal and peanuts. So that's not things that most of us want to do. But if you're on the radical left, they view beef as uh, beef consumption as an assault on the planet because beef emit, emit methane, and they view that as a pollutant. So it's all out there right in the clear. They want to push these farms to transition to alternative energy sources because they know that's going to drive up the cost and it's going to force us as consumers to consume less of the so-called carbon-intensive food products. So, Joel and Nigel, when, when I was in college uh, and I was taking some of my ecology classes, we actually used to laugh about how methane, and, and that's that's cow gas, cow flatulence, sure, is one of, yeah, yeah. And one of the number one causes of uh, carbon emissions in, in the world. And uh, we used to laugh about that because, you know, what are you going to do about cow gas? That's just one of the, you know, it's just one of the facts of life. And yet here is an entire <laughs> movement funded by billionaires who think they're better than you that is going against cows and chickens. Nigel, did you know that cows and chickens are environmentally unfriendly? <laughs> Not only that, I, I remember when AOC put out, you know, the Green New Deal or whatever her thing was, and Nancy Pelosi even ro- rolled her eyes, oh, the Green Dream or whatever, and, you know, talked about cow farts and how people should eat less meat. And the very next day, and I just, this illustrates the total hypocrisy here, the very next day she was pictured with her team members and one of her assistants was shoving a big burger down his throat. Um, and people that are pushing this are the same ones that are sailing in their yachts and flying on their private jets. Well, right? look, those um, those folks that are pushing these radical environmental policies, many of them are incredibly successful, incredibly wealthy, and don't expect them to give up their private no. yachts and their private jets and their big homes. And look at Al Gore, the one who's been one of the biggest climate change alarmists over the last 30 years. He lives in an enormous mansion, a sprawling estate where you could probably house 50 families at once, and that's just to himself and to whomever he's actually married to right now. But look, those folks, these elites that are that are working through these supranational organizations to reduce our carbon emissions and jack up our energy costs and our food costs, they view themselves as the planners of the destiny of mankind. And look, if it's only those 1% or that one-tenth of 1% that are using these carbon-intensive products, they view that as not really having an impact on the planet. We are the problems. We, the middle class, we are the problems on the planet in their eyes. And if they can make air travel more expensive for us and food costs, meat costs more expensive for us and reliance on gasoline-powered vehicles, if they can push us away from that, they really do believe that they can acquire not just power, but in their mind, they think they're going to save the planet. And that's why it's so important for us to push back. And in states like Indiana, especially in other conservative states, there's an opportunity to start pushing against this nonsense. Now it's the right thing to do, and it's also going to benefit all of us who aren't in the top tenth of one percent 
it's going to benefit uh, us as well economically. And here in and here in Indiana, we're actually uh, looking at HB 1008 on the floor of the House, uh, which would be limiting uh, how much uh, ESG-related policy would be able to affect Hoosiers, would be able to actually affect uh, the state. It's possibly receiving a vote in the House Financial Institutions Committee this Thursday. Uh, Joel, what are we looking at for this bill? Do we do we think its chances are pretty good? I know that there have been some uh, some rumors that it's going to struggle a little more in the Senate. Yeah, well, HB one zero zero eight does two primary things. Um, one, now it addresses the situation where you've got billions of dollars worth of public pension dollars in Indiana, dollars you know that that all of your listeners um, contribute to. Oftentimes, those funds are actually managed by investment firms like BlackRock that are actually pushing forward this ESG radical agenda. And the legislation would say simply that, look, if you're going to be invest, if you're going to be managing taxpayer dollars in these Indiana pension funds, then you have to commit to to not boycotting these uh, fossil fuel companies. And you have to commit that you are not going to be focused on advancing this social agenda rather than maximizing shareholder potential. That's one thing that it does. And the second of all, that uh, HB one zero zero eight says that if the, the, the state is considering entering into a contract with the company, then that company needs to assure the state that they are also will not be engaged in these types of boycotts of these essential industries to Hoosiers. Joel Griffith, Heritage Foundation here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Tony Kennett filling in for Hammer. Just one more thing before we let you go. Big picture, Joel. It just frustrates me that you know, only a few years ago we were the number one energy exporter in the world. We were energy independent. And from day one, Joe Biden and his administration have made it their mission to destroy all that. Got rid of the pipelines, got rid of the oil, offshore oil drilling and the leases. It's just, it's incredibly frustrating when you think about where we were just a few years ago in this country. Yeah, well, we are not producing at our full capacity, and that's um, even though we are now, um, we are basically producing what we are consuming in terms of energy, we could be doing far more. The problem is you've got those on the left that are specifically promising that they want to bankrupt these industries or at least drive them out of business over the next 10 to 30 years. And I know 10 to 30 years sounds like a long time for us, but if you're one of these companies and you're looking to build pipelines or invest in engineers or build refineries or ships to actually ship up um, uh, you know, liquefied national, natural gas, those investments pay off over 10 to 30 years. If you're going to put in $5 billion in a refinery, you have to be reasonably sure you're going to be able to actually operate that. So what the Biden administration is doing right now by promising that over the next few decades they're going to transition us to a zero-carbon economy, that is sending a signal to these companies that it's not a wise idea to be investing resources right now in new productive capacity. So we are going to start feeling the impact of that. We're already feeling the impact now because the regulations are so high. It's one, one of the reasons why in Massachusetts, for instance, you're paying about triple for natural gas compared wow. to places like western Pennsylvania and Ohio. So we're already seeing the impact. But you're going to be seeing the impact for decades going forward because the Biden administration, just by signaling that they want to drive these companies out of business, it is scaring companies away from making those needed investments. Absolutely. Joel, thank you so much for doing the research to make sure that this stuff gets out there so that the uh, common American can be aware of the kind of things that are coming for not just the economy, but their pockets and their homes directly. Uh, Joel, where can uh, we keep up with your work? 
Um, go to heritage.org, and on this important issue, you can just key in an ESG, and if you're listening in Indiana, ESG in Indiana, and it'll actually pop up um, all the information that could be helpful to you and to help uh, your listeners get involved um, with this. Absolutely. Joel Griffith, thank you Thanks, very Joel. much for hopping on. Right, thanks for having me. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Tony Kennett is filling in for Hammer. Hello. Uh, my name is Nigel. Check this out. <laughs> so stupid. An Idaho man has broken the world record for most fist bumps. He performed... <laughs> He performed the most fist bumps performed in 30 seconds. Here is David Rush. Listen to this audio. David Rush is this guy's name getting into the Guinness Book of World Records with 273 alternating fist bumps. Three, two, one, go. Stop. Come on! <laughs> that is 297 fist bumps in 30 seconds. However, 24 of them had to be disqualified because they didn't meet the fist bump qualification set by Guinness. <laughs> New record, 273 fist bumps in 30 seconds. Come on. There, oh, there you go. That, oh. I'm sorry, play the play the beginning. That did not sound like... I, I, I try not to have a dirty mind on this show. I, I'm in my mid-40s. I I've, I've like to think I've grown up a little bit, but just listen... Listen to the sound again. Go. <laughs> I think everybody. I think everybody knows what I'm getting at, right? I, I just have concerns <laughs> with the the guy at the end. Well, unfortunately, 24 of those fish jumps don't meet <laughs> yeah. the Guinness World Record standard qualification to fish bumpitude. Is is what? this is this a qualification? I mean, do you pick up chicks with this accomplishment? Hey, baby, yeah. I once smacked 130,000 <laughs> fists in a few minutes. Uh, I, I, why? Why are these things records? Yeah, like there's a bunch, of, there's a bunch Guinness... of these guys that are pros that do this for like a living. They come up with all this you can just stupid make up, crap. Make yeah. up thing. I'm going to, you know, put the most pieces of gum on my face and sing uh, Britney Spears. Yeah. That's, that's the record. I'm going to pop 100 balloons in uh, 10 seconds. No one's ever Guinness done Book that before. World records. Well, but 24 of those balloons didn't count because you don't meet Guinness <laughs> standard world record standards. Um, Tim Allen is denying the charges that he flashed Pamela Anderson's <laughs> crank on the set of... Uh, on the on the home improvement in ninety one. What, what just? I can't. I. She 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 said she walked out of her dressing room and he walked out of his dressing room. He it was in his robe, and just flashed her big Jim and the Trent twins. It was all there and said, "Hey, now we're even because I've seen you naked." She was in Playboy, so that's the that was the Tim Allen denying this, of course. I, I just I I gotta uh, say I I man it, it it is timely in how this came out now you know it, it is being well, only a couple of years after what is it ninety one yeah just yeah right just a little but you know she's got a book to sell she's got a new memoir all right we'll be right back more of the Hammer and Nigel show next you're listening to ninety three WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel, Tony Kennett, investigative journalist from the Daily Signal, filling in for Jason Hammer. Tony, how are you? Absolutely stellar. How are you, Nigel? I'm a little disturbed by these numbers down at the border. Oh, man. Do you know what gotaways are? The term gotaway. So are the people who like initially just flooded over and never were touched by Border Patrol or ICE or anybody? Exactly. Illegal immigrants. Uh, they evade Border Patrol, but they're spotted with like other forms of surveillance. Basically. Oh, okay. So they're yeah, counted. Yeah, yeah. So, they, so they know they're coming across the country. See, see, most I, I think most people want to come into this country and claim asylum and go through the whole process. Right. And um, but the gotaways are what's crazy because we don't know who they are. We actually kind of do know who they are, yeah, and what they're about. I mean, they're gotaways because they don't want to be fingerprinted, right? They don't want to be apprehended by the system. uh, Gang members, predators, drug dealers, traffickers, traffickers, cartels. Listen to this: there were nearly six hundred thousand gotaways last year fiscal year 2022 only four months into fiscal year 2023 the cbp is reporting that there have been 293,993 known gotaways gracious. since last in october that is insane. october 1st october 1st nearly 300,000 that's like 2400 gotaways a day i'm not talking about people that are that are that are stamped and yes. marked and, and processed, but individuals who are just getting through and, and have evaded everything completely. One point two million gotaways since Biden took office. The same Biden who says that the border is safe and secure. Well, and people get mad at the word invasion. It's not an invasion. These people are seeking a better life. Not the one point two million gotaways. That's an invasion. Don't you think that? 1.2 million people who are, are not in the system I point getting back, into this country, if you do, that's an invasion. If you do not process who is coming into your country, you have no way to reject those who are dangerous. Am I saying the majority are dangerous? No, that's not what I am saying. I am saying that the individuals that are not processed are not able to be checked. You cannot be sure. It does not matter if 99 people are safe and sound. It's the one individual who is a criminal, who is a trafficker, who is a drug lord, who is a murderer, who is whatever else, who will commit the crime and will do harm to American citizens. One American citizen lost to something like this that could be so easily prevented is far, far, far too much. I mean, the the policies that Trump had were the result, you know, very low number of illegal immigrants in decades because of Trump's policies that Biden erased. And with the with the allure of sanctuary cities and free 
hotel rooms. Oh, the, oh, I got, I got. The, here's a good one for you. Did you see this group of illegal migrants who had been bused to New York City? Uh, they they uh, are refusing to leave their free Midtown Manhattan hotel rooms for a migrant shelter in Brooklyn. Uh, I wouldn't want to go either. Uh, no, they're I, uh... leaving. They're living the high life. These swanky hotels. Are, are taking these illegal immigrants and they're refusing to leave. I was reassured that, that these large cities, New York and Washington, D.C. and Chicago, they were prepared to be sanctuary cities. <laughs> yeah, until they actually had to be sanctuary cities. The and human like, life was sacred, unless you're the unborn. And we have to have just everybody here. It's going to be wonderful. And then, you know, they bring people there and it's filthy, it's disgusting, <laughs> and, and the, the food isn't prepared correctly and it's disease-ridden and it's horrible. I wouldn't want to live there either. Previous reports saying migrants having sex in the hallways of another swanky hotel. Wait a minute. You mean drinking alcohol in the lobby? You mean the things that you and Hammer were told about what was going on at Camp Atterbury? No, no, no. I was reliably told by investigative reporters at WTHR that's not happening. You're just big, mean, bad people. Don't get me started on that. Oh, no, no. Migrants are. Because they are a migrant, they are therefore virtuous and clean and respectable. Well, well, they're also uh, apparently entitled. Oh. How, how did it? How did it get that way that they are feeling entitled, uh, a sense of entitlement, just by virtue of of being uh, and legally? Uh, because the entire illegally. world views the country of America now, the United States of America, as one who has just bent over, who said, "Yeah, I, it doesn't matter. We're all good. You know, just well, nothing can." happen to you we just walk all over us you know we'll, we're the new rug just walk on in demand whatever you want because we don't have any kind of strength or honor or tenacity to respect ourselves uh, meanwhile 1.2 million gotaways on the southern border porous wide open and then you have uh by joe biden very worried about the ukraine border for sure sending <laughs> sending over those those tanks yeah i, I sure very, hope they very, know how to drive those tanks dude that I was reading. <laughs> I was reading those. Those tanks are so complicated to operate. It's going to take months and months and months. I was reading. Where was I? Where did I hear that? I read somewhere that these tanks take fourteen different types of oils. <laughs> and it takes a good amount of training to operate those in the first place. Again, I, I you said this when I was on the other day with Ethan Hatcher. Uh, an army runs on its stomach, and a uh, and, and the mechanicals run on everything else. So when you're talking about an APC, you're talking about a tank. Um, and by the way, all of those tanks that we sent over have the firepower of roughly one AR-15. Uh, that's how dangerous <laughs> AR-15s are. Um, but all, all of those tanks require everything in the world to keep them operational for just a few weeks. Um, all of the high-tech equipment that we have on them, all, and not yeah. to mention uh, the way that they have to carry. A lot of Ukraine is not good tanker country. It's a really poor place to romp around. I, I'm really they're not, not good. They're not good in the mud. They don't have any facilities to repair them. In if they need repair, they, they need repair facilities, and uh, they're incredibly complicated. And you know, you're pissing off Putin, who's talking about nukes every day now. It seems like it's you know a blank check to Ukraine is is, is not the way to go. We're worried about their borders. 
but yet we have no plan in place for our border. And Senator Lindsey Graham was whining on Twitter today saying that it was a shame that Biden didn't want to send a bunch of F-16 fighter jets over to Ukraine. He's like, how? Biden's not as committed as I am. Okay, you know what, Senator Lindsey Graham, you're rich. You send one over. You buy a jet. You send it to Ukraine. That's fine. We can't afford eggs over here, dude. Not only that, Tony, who's going to train these? uh, There's going to be American troops on Ukraine soil training these guys. We have to. Use, no one else. Use you, you don't just go to the local library and, and guarantee- see, ah, look, M1 tanks for dummies. <laughs> uh, I, I, and, and Biden just doesn't seem to understand that, that people... Oh, man, just, you mean Biden's cabinet doesn't yeah. understand? I was, is it Biden doesn't understand most things on a, on and, a day, and day I guarantee, basis. I guarantee he's sending F-16s over there at some point. They've he has they, to. They, he's they, never established moved. he's never established a red line to say exactly. this is where it saying. is too much. So it will go until we do have troops on the ground over there in a UN peacekeeping capacity. You know, they'll say, Oh, they're just peacekeepers, that's what it'll be. Oh, oh these boy. troops are, are really just to, you know, secure already Ukrainian held yeah. territory, just to help rebuild infrastructure, and pretty soon we'll be at war. That's how it is, because that's how the United States gets into every modern conflict. Want to hear Whoopi Goldberg call for violence against white people on The View? Uh, I cannot explain how much my answer is both yes and no. It is a problem in the police and the policing itself. You know, seems things don't seem to make sense to people unless it's somebody they can feel or they can recognize. Mm -hmm. But how many times do we have to do we need to see white people also get beaten before anybody will do anything? (laughs) So, have you ever gone to the gas station and there's that lady outside smoking oh one too many cigarettes? And oh, yeah. She's like talking at the trees and the, the weird gas caps on the ground. That's Whoopi Goldberg at this point. No one really knows what she's saying. She's like, yeah, beat him up. That's what I say. And you're like, man, this is a Wendy's. This, the, the jump that people are making, they're trying to crowbar in white supremacy and systemic white supremacy as as you know the blame here for what happened in memphis terrible thing that happened in memphis those five officers were immediately charged the beating death of um um the the gentleman and everyone involved is black basically and there's there's no way to not work in white supremacy that's that's white supremacy because according to like the 1619 project and nicole (laughs) hannah jones uh, the police department was invented as a way of catching slaves so there were no police before the United States okay. and, 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 and slavery. That, that's a genuine part of the 1619 Project. So that's where we are. So when individuals like Whoopi Goldberg get in front of everyone and say, oh, we need to see white people eating up, it's a race war. It's gaslighting with race in a way that is directly against everything the civil rights movement fought to achieve. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime. Emma and Nigel presents... Is... Anything, anything. 
It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? Tony Kennett is filling in for Hammer. I'm going to give you some stories. You're going to tell me if they are anything or not. Is that my favorite segment of all time? There's a convenience store based in Pennsylvania. It's called Sheets. I love Sheets. I you know love what I'm talking? Yes, it is the the cheapest, cruddiest coffee on earth. And I every time I pass by, I have to have some. I'm Where, is there, to Sheets coffee. Are they in Indiana? No, they're just in Pennsylvania. Okay, so you're there quite often. So often no, that that's you're why familiar. I think so fondly of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a once in a million kind so of thing for me. They're reviewing their smile policy. Have you heard? You know what this is? The smile policy, and they might be getting rid of it. The policy states, "quote Applicants with obvious missing, broken, or badly discolored teeth, unrelated to a disability, are not qualified for employment with sheets." Is this anything? I mean, this is really the most base discrimination against the entire country of England. Uh, my condolences. <laughs> Uh, first of all, other than that, I, I, I'm just confused. Uh, didn't Dwight have like an office policy yeah. on smiling in the office? Right. I never smile if I can help it. Showing one's teeth is a submission signal in primates. When someone smiles at me, all I see is a chimpanzee begging, begging for its, for its life. life. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but seriously, is is the smile policy for the Sheets convenience store a little out of whack? Yeah, it's out of whack. That's a dumb policy. That's it. Uh, well, and, yeah. and first of all, a lot of people are having trouble getting people to come into work. Yeah, no kidding. Might, I, might, might, well, you know, the guy's teeth might be jacked up, but what if he's a good worker and shows up say, every day? I don't think that uh, a cashier missing a couple teeth is going to keep me from buying my chips and a Gatorade. <laughs> I don't think that's that's really going to be too much of an impediment for me. Uh, okay, on to our next one. Have you heard of this guy, this YouTube personality named Mr. Beast? Oh, I've seen a couple of thumbnails that make a point about it, but I don't know any. He, I've never seen any of his he's videos. He's a huge YouTube personality. Multi-millionaire, you know, 10 times over. Uh, my kids watch him all the time. And he recently helped a 1,000 blind people see again and even gave some of them 10 grand after the surgery. Here is Mr. Beast and an ophthalmologist helping uninsured people see by getting rid of their cataracts. In this video, we're curing a 1,000 people's blindness. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. They can't see but we have all the technology to fix it. Yep, half of all the blindness in the world is people who need a 10-minute surgery. I'll okay. see everybody. Oh, I can see clear. <laughs> I can jump for joy. <laughs> yes, I can see your face. I can see your face. I can see your face. You pay for my surgery? Yes. <laughs> Seriously? You know what? Here's ten thousand dollars. What do you think? Is this something? This yeah, pretty cool. I, I, isn't do. It? I I really like that. I like the idea of, of individuals uh, who have the resources to give to others. Um, I always scratch my I chin just a little bit at those who make a big video promoting it about themselves, which is what I've seen a lot of the criticism. It's like, well, oh yeah, you, you made You're sure bragging. to go out and yeah. be like, I'm a philanthropist, but look at me being a philanthropist. But aside from all that, I don't know very much about him or the video. So just the base act of giving people the money to do their surgeries, that's awesome. Good for him. That There should be a lot more of Have that. Have you ever had a Mr. Beast burger? No. From delivered to you i think they're only have you do you know what i'm talking about james he had a mr mr beast burger i know what they are but i've never had them what he's done i think is there's not an actual location they're only available for delivery 
And there's that they they rent out kitchens of other restaurants and make these burgers and deliver them. Are they people. that good? Or they're, what's yeah, that? they're delicious. Yeah, my 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 son wanted to try Beast Burger, so we had one delivered. I don't know where they made. I I don't. I think I've got that right. I think they rent out. It's a, like some know, abandoned a of a kitchen. some abandoned marsh in Newcastle, Indiana, <laughs> cranking these out. Like what what's going on? That, that's what I want to know. Where can are these burgers me, coming from? Somebody can help me out on Twitter with that. At Hammer and Nigel, where do you get uh, beast if, burgers? Because if they're renting out like an Applebee's kitchen, okay. Yeah, but that's, it, that's that was if it's my like understanding. A Waffles House that was condemned in 2012. I really don't want any burgers <laughs> from there. It's like they're renting out just a skillet, and the only thing they deliver is the the hamburgers and fries. So it's pretty interesting. A woman has gone viral with her ghosting exit survey she sent it to this guy who ghosted her and she didn't even like him uh check it out i recently got ghosted by a guy who i didn't even like and i emailed him this ghosting exit survey to fill out so the first question is please provide a one to two sentence example of why you did it you were intimidated by my beauty you hate yourself you're broken i'm too good for you like whatever comes to mind Please circle if I am more cute, hot, sexy, or pretty, and just know, just like a rule, you have to circle all four. Please provide the names, emails, and phone numbers of at least two of your exes and your birth mother, and that's just like, so I can start a group chat. And lastly, please select one form of compensation for me. So you could opt for something simple, like sending me your passwords for various streaming services and your social security okay, number. Okay, I, I got it. I can't take not- this chick anymore. I understand why she was probably ghosted now. Yeah. Because of the ghosting exit survey. What do you think? Good idea? Yeah. I mean, have you ever seen uh, How I Met Your Mother? Yeah. All right. So the character Barney Stinson, he once does uh, some survey research because he and the gang are in Cleveland. They're not in New York where they usually are. And so he's like testing out all of these weird pickup strategies on girls. And and at the end, he's like, why did this not work out? Was it A, you do not think that (laughs) I found it Google? B, I I get this vibe and and I I love it. I don't know. It's just great. Did you ever get ghosted like in your dating life at all? Yeah, I got ghosted a, t- a time or two. One time, um, I, I I did the ghosting. Oh no, I got ghosted hard one time. That's a chick. I was going to take her to the Christmas party here at work when I was still single. When I was working here in the early two thousands, we had these awesome Christmas party, and and I had met her like through a friend of a friend. And uh, we made out a little bit like the night before. And I go, can we come to the Christmas party with me, please? And she's like, all right. So, but she goes, so she calls me the next day. She goes, I'm going to follow you there to the Christmas party. Uh, and I'm like, okay. So she actually pulled up into my house. She followed me all the way downtown. I pull into the parking garage. She just goes right on past. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, that's I called a big... her on her cell phone. I called her on her cell phone, and she just kept bumping me and bumping me and bumping me. Oh. I don't know what happened. I, 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 I'm not sure how the hell I got ghosted like that. I'm a pretty reasonable, nice guy, you know. Yeah. But she, oh, that's I, a big I, I had oof, her coming to the Christmas oh. party. I I was humiliated, humiliated. You have no idea, uh, and, and I still I still to this day. No idea what happened. Some say she's still out there trying to get to the office party. Uh, it's It's been a long time. It's the Amber and Nigel show. It's 
the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Tony Kennett right over there filling in for Hammer. We'll go straight to the drivehubo.com hotline and bring on Braylon Yarrington and Melody Gandy. They're both testifying tomorrow morning along with other foster parents at the State House for Bill HB 1188. Ladies, how are you doing? Great. Good. So, so Braylon, we'll start with you. Um, Bill 1188 is about protecting kids from being forced to visit with an abuser, being sent back to unsafe homes, getting out of foster care faster. Give me a little bit about your background with foster care and adoption, and then maybe talk a little bit about these bills. Sure, absolutely. So I was a licensed foster parent for three years. We adopted two kids out of the system, and now I am a full-time grassroots lobbyist to change laws in our state. My organization is called Champions for Children. And what I found when I was a foster parent, you know, I thought that this system was designed to protect children. And my experience with my children was was the opposite of that. Um, Nothing about this process was child-centric. My kids spent five years uh, in the foster care system. My kids have a brother who's going on seven years, and he's still in foster care with the same family since since the day he was born. Um, There was a severely abusive parent on this case, and regardless of all the ways that he abused these children, there was this tunnel vision focus on reunifying the kids. And... It really impacted my children's mental health. You know, the mental health professionals were telling the court in DCS, this is not good for them. They need to be moved forward for permanency. And we ended up actually having to file a private action and spend tens of thousands of dollars to get our kids out of the ensnarement of this system. So we're trying to fix that with 1188 and 1169, which are being heard tomorrow at the state house. And tell me about fixing it. Uh, what What's the number one thing in your mind that could be done here? Um, because it sounds like it, it, it's been an incredible, incredibly frustrating process uh, for you to to not only get kids out of foster care, but the the adoption process as well. What do these bills do? Well, they do quite a lot, but a real high-level view, as you mentioned, we are we are putting into law that kids should not be forced to visit with substantiated abusers if they don't want to. That's the first main provision. The second provision is kids should not be returned to unsafe homes. And this could be parents who have not made any progress, have not improved the situation, or just parents who lead a life of crime and abusing others and then we also feel like if a parent isn't complying with the court's orders such as not using drugs staying away from the abuser of their child disappearing for months at a time that the child should be able to find stability through adoption or guardianship and and we're doing that by reforming the termination of parental rights statute to include more details these seem like really common sense reforms but (laughs) <laughs> this is not happening right now. So we feel like it needs to be put into law. So this is one of the things that often gets me when I discuss education policy, and in this case, you know, child care and health policy, social policy, is that there are there are a few 
problems that we can all agree on that are pretty common sense that need fixed. And yet for years and years, these issues languish. Uh, so many children are continually hurt by a foster system that's that's incredibly out of date, that's not meeting their needs. Uh, why do you guys think that we just keep hitting wall after wall and it's not until now that we're actually starting to see appropriate reform? Well, um, I think that there, there's a federal push right now that I believe is misinformed. And the reason I say that is when I look around at the people who are really informing the policy, these are people that have not been on the front lines in general. Yeah. These are not the people that are taking care of these kids and, and watching what the system does to them. You choose them up and spit them out. You know, the people at the state house who have a lot of sway often don't see things the way those of us do who are on the front lines. Melody, I don't know if you have a different opinion. That's mine. Full disclosure here. By the way, we're speaking with Braylon Yarrington and Melody Gandy, both testifying tomorrow, along with other foster parents at the State House for Bill uh, 1188 and 1169. Uh, Melody is, and her husband are very good friends of mine and my wife. We love you guys. Um, and they just got done with a very arduous process of adopting a beautiful, uh, uh, just a, just an absolutely beautiful boy. So congratulations that the process is finally over, Melody. Um, I was wondering maybe if you could speak a little bit about your experience with foster care and uh, the uh, adoption system. Yeah, thanks, Nigel. Um, and we love your family as well. I this opportunity to talk and share about why I feel it's important to testify tomorrow, um, specifically on Bill 188. Uh, my husband, Dylan, and I have been licensed foster care parents for four over four years, and I would agree with Braylon that, you know, the majority of the time people that want to do foster care are wanting to help children and families. For my husband and I and for our kids, we wanted to do something about the foster care crisis. Um, I find that a lot of people don't know that Indiana is one of the you know top states in our country that has um, the worst foster care um, in our country, and we're in a crisis. And so when you hear those things, you want to do something to help. And so my husband and I felt very called to this. And um, I would agree with Braylon that it is was not as child-centric as I had been trained to expect. And we... Um, our, our adopted son, um, who we recently adopted, he by the time he was 14 months, had been in five different homes and had had two DCS cases, two open DCS cases on him. That's at 14 months. Wow. And he came to our home at 16 months. And by the time we adopted him, he had been in care for um, almost four years. And so we saw in our own home with him just the trauma that being in care can cause a child. Um, and there's no reason why we need to be keeping these kids in care for four, five, six, seven years. Um, we need stronger laws. We need stronger policies. We need permanency for these children so they don't flounder in a system and are back and forth out of homes. Um, and so permanency for these children is my heart's desire. Um, and I want to see stronger laws and policies written for kiddos like mine. Had there been a bill like this, I think it would have helped him tremendously. I think mm. he would have had permanency sooner with our family. 
um, had we had a bill like this. And that kind of permanency that's lacking, that lack of stability, not only harms kids, uh, you know, psychologically with often dealing with with really difficult abandonment issues and and with um, emotional attachment issues, but also educationally, the the inability to read, to speak. Uh, My wife's best friend, she did foster care for for quite a while, and uh, two of the kids that she fostered um, had significant trouble just speaking well past the normal age of development. And so legislation like this that would allow us to re-examine how kids are treated in this system is not only prudent, but it's essential. I mean, these are kids' lives that we are affecting really on the point-by-point basis. This is an extremely important thing to take a look at. Braylon, Braylon, are there any... I mean, there's got to be some success stories in the foster care system in terms of the parents, um, you know, leaving their parents and then the parents going to rehab and turning their lives around. Absolutely. And this bill is very clear. If a parent is making progress and doing what they need to do, nothing different is going to happen. We're going to keep trying to help them. This is for the parents who have learned to abuse the system. And this is unfortunately incredibly common. You know, in my work with Champions for Children, I talk to people every day, you know, whether it be CASAs, DCS workers, guardian ad litems, foster parents, and I just hear the same story over and over again. So unfortunately, I think what Melody and I experienced is pervasive, Hmm. and I think it is time for the legislature to step in and legislate this. And, And what have you been doing? Who have you been talking to about this? Well, our amazing bill sponsors, we we have kind of a a cache of bills this year. We have Donna Shively, who's out of Carmel, sponsoring some of our stuff. Ryan Lauer out of Columbus is an incredible child advocate, Representative Lauer. Representative Althoff from the Crown Point area has stepped up. And Senator John Ford from Terre Haute is a perennial, you know, champion for children. So that's kind of our core group, but we have so many legislators that have met with us and want to do something and want to help. Tomorrow, we will be in front of the House Judiciary Committee. So one thing people can do is call those 13 committee members today and ask for a yes vote on House Bill 1188 and House Bill 1169. Where can people go right now to find out more about both of these bills? Um, you can go to the in.gov uh, website. In fact, if you just Google Indiana 2023 session mm-hmm. and then go to the, the top menu and it says legislation and then you can go to bills and there's a full listing of every bill that's in files. They can just click on 1188 and 1169 and read the full text. And what about in, in Braylon, uh, you're, uh, you said you have an organization that you started or work with at the beginning of this conversation? Yeah. So that's Champions for Children. Okay. And um, we are on Facebook. It's a teal and red logo with some hands people can reach me personally at 614-264-5744 if they want to get connected with us to, to help with this effort uh braylon and melody uh i love what you're doing best of luck tomorrow and let's hope both of these bills uh, get passed i really appreciate you taking the time today thank you nigel yeah. we really appreciate it too we'll be right back it's the hammer and nigel show I'm just eating uh, these cookies that uh, Zubilation dropped off for us, Tony. Oh, they're you delicious. Those? I, had, from the, I scarfed mine down earlier. <laughs> hmm. 
Taylor's Bakery butter cookies. Um, so Zubilation dropped these little gift, gift bags off for us. They go on sale. Zubilation tickets go on sale tomorrow, February 1st. Always a uh, good time. You ever been out there? Zubilation? No, I haven't. I mean, it's I've been out to the It's a swanky event, yeah, baby. The swanky event. Oh, man. Great food, drinks, live music. Um, people get dressed up. Tuxedos, the whole deal. Do you get cool. to like hang out with the penguins? Yeah, yeah. You get to walk around uh, and, and and hang out with my, everybody. My daughter loves penguins, so I I, I got to ask. You know, that sounds like it'd be pretty fun. Let's see, Zubilation uh, tickets go on sale tomorrow and uh, Friday, June 9th, starting at five thirty. Good. I don't want to be Those out tickets, there when it's. I don't want to be out there when it's twenty. Yeah, but when you're wearing a tuxedo, you're sweating. You're Go, oh good! Go oh good! Off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. people dress up all crazy too. It's 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 just a fun, uh, fun night and a, a, a great fundraising event. Absolutely. Um, did you see this Rolling Stone article about the um, Jane's Revenge folks? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> so the so the this is actually kind of interesting. The the, the, the DOJ announced. The first arrest of the individuals behind Jane's Revenge, um, a bunch of instances of arson across the country and vandalism at crisis pregnancy centers. Yeah, so people who don't know, Jane's Revenge is an anti, uh, an, a pro-abortion group that yeah. is very anti-pro-life groups. So they, they despise pro-life groups. They go around targeting women's crisis centers that provide resources to women who are pregnant and don't have a lot of resources at their disposal. And so Jane's Revenge has gone around like riding on buildings with their their spray paint cans and markers. If abortions aren't safe, you aren't either. Dun, yeah, dun, dun. I remember and, that and one. Burning down buildings and all this stuff. So the Department of Justice announces, "Hey, we got a few of them." And the Rolling Stones, and I did, I did see this article. And it is stupid. <laughs> they're so, they're mad that they arrested him. Yeah, the Rolling Stones well, said, "Oh well, looks like they finally caught the right wing boogeymen." These, <laughs> and I quote, two activists." Activate. Wait, I thought these were domestic terrorists. They're arsonists. They're burning down buildings. They're vandalizing for Volatov political reasons. Cocktails. Writing, writing, threatening and intimidating language across crisis pregnancy center walls. Now, wait a minute. Violence, destruction, and intimidation for a political purpose. Ding, ding, ding. That's the definition for terrorism, but not the, but, activists. But the, the ironic part is they're using a law pro- aimed at actually protecting abortion access. There's a, a law in the mid-90s, I don't know if you read this part, uh, about just protecting healthcare services in general. And it was designed really to protect uh, abortion access and, and abortion doctors and things like that. They were using the same law to prosecute these these crazy, these these lunatics that were doing all this damage. And I think that was That's, that's some poetic Stone. justice. Yeah, it must have graded on the Rolling Stones editor to post that part. By the way, just real quick, while we have a chance, got about 30 seconds here. Uh, <laughs> this is Joe Biden. Uh, do you want to set this clip up? This you sent this one to me. So, uh, President, oh, they were at, the press was asking Joe Biden how you know the Catholic Church and the Pope are against. Using yeah, they're saying hey, pre- so yeah, the the Catholic Church is very against abortion. They're against you know the federal government funding abortion, federal tax dollars. Yeah, yeah and and Biden responds with uh, with this. Nor is the Pope doing that. Mr. 
president. So for those of you that don't speak airplane, um, the <laughs> president said, no, the Catholic Church is not doing that, and okay. no, the Pope is not doing that. So I guess just... Biden knows pro, better than the Pope. And the Catholic, congrats. I guess the Catholic Church can take a break. Biden's here. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Hello, my name is Nigel. Tony Kennett, investigative reporter for The Daily Signal. Filling in for Jason Hammer, DailySignal.com, right? Oh, is you that, know it. That is where they have me now. Um, You run a very funny uh, parody Twitter account. Would you like to mention that real quick? Sure. I, it is... <laughs> It's got hundreds of thousands of followers, and it cracks me up every time. Yeah, the U.S. Tweet. Ministry of Truth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a kind of an Orwellian joke on the old uh, U.S. Disinformation Governance Board that right. Biden tried and failed this year. Who was year. that weirdo lady that they had running it? Uh, Nina uh, Kraskowitz or something. Yeah. yeah, She was the Mary Poppins singing lady. Yeah. yeah she... Uh, we lasted longer than she did, so. Yeah. Um, and then it's DailySignal.com is where we could find. Jankowitz, not Kraskowitz, is her name. Sorry, yeah, that popped okay. in. But, yeah, Daily Signal. Um, one of the things that was for, we, we, we actually talked about this earlier with one of your coworkers at the Heritage Foundation. Right. Um, J- uh, Joel, Joel Jeff- Griffith. Joel Griffith. Not to be confused right. with Andy Griffith, not a sheriff. You know, I, and I expressed to him, we were talking about ESG, that's environmental social governance. Sounds creepy, that's, doesn't that's, it? That sounds as creepy as the ministry. social governance. That's, mm. That sounds as creepy as what Joe Biden tried to do with the, what was that one called again? Uh, the, the U.S., the, wait, uh, the disinformation. governance board that sounds just as creepy as esg environmental social governance sounds like you're getting arrested but the handcuffs are organic (laughs) so that's that's a nice these are people working to eliminate fossil fuels just like joe biden said he was going to do uh in his uh, 2020 run for president not just fossil fuels but also meat in general Oh, they want to get rid of meat. Yeah, they yeah. think that uh, yeah that uh, beef Methane, and uh, chicken. Yeah, these those are the people are, wanting us to eat bugs. Yeah, bug pretty, burgers. Farting will be illegal one day uh, because <laughs> um, that that puts too much flatulence into the atmosphere. And you think I'm joking? There is oh, a paper from Stanford on limiting human flatulence as a carbon footprint thing. From day one, Joe Biden is uh, from when he signed that executive order. I talk about it all the time. Thirteen nine ninety wiped out the pipelines wiped out the offshore drilling, wiped out the leases, and he's been doing everything. I mean, he campaigned on it. He said he wants to get rid of fossil fuels, and along with that, tens of thousands of jobs. 
And you know, with, eliminated tens of thousands of jobs with the cancellation of the Keystone Pipeline. With a transportation, with transportation secretary and a male breastfeeder Pete Buttigieg uh, talking <laughs> quite often about how everyone needs to buy an electric vehicle. A lot of these ESG compliant, ESG supporting companies. Um, have started to push for legislation that would limit a farmer's ability to buy a a petroleum fuel based farm equipment vehicle, meaning that you know they're expecting farmers to go out and and buy electric farming vehicles, which are somehow even more expensive than the insanely ridiculously expensive combines and tractors that they're already using. I, the there were revolts in the Netherlands that had the country that, on yeah. fire because they tried to destroy the farmer's ability to utilize fertilizer, which is extremely necessary in poor European soil. It's a mess. It's all about power. It's all about control. It's a, it's about about hatred for America. And the fact that we were energy independent during Trump, the fact that we were the number one exporter of energy in the world that we didn't have to go hat in hand to OPEC to beg them to turn on the spigots. And remember Germany, like, even, which was a, a very independent nation in, as far as energy is concerned in Europe, a mass exporter of pretty much every good type on the books. And now they're they're walking up to yeah. uh, Russia like <laughs> Oliver with his, his bowl of gruel saying, please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> it's cold this winter. And it's, it's terrible. It's pathetic. These ESG environmental types have ruined countless lives with their political posturing. Good news is there's people pushing back. Senator Ted Cruz introducing some new legislation this week that's going to accelerate oil and gas permits in the U.S. to make to make us more energy secure and independent. It's called the Energy Freedom Act. It's it's going to accelerate uh, accelerate federal permits for energy project uh, projects, pipelines, and mandate new onshore and offshore oil and gas lease sales, speed and even speed up wind and solar and geothermal development. I mean, I don't mind developing electric vehicles and developing wind and solar and and working on that stuff but it doesn't have to be a binary choice it doesn't have to be either or let's yeah. let's let's get all this crap worked out before we immediately like do like california and get rid of uh, gas powered vehicles by 2035 did you guys of. did you guys know that there's not just some guy sitting in a room with a light switch deciding on whether we're going to focus on gas powered or electric uh, vehicles <laughs> you can we can actually work on both at, at the same time uh Tesla made its largest strides during the Trump administration. I know that's a crazy shocker of an idea. All types of energy can go forward. Yeah. I love gas powered and coal powered and wood. I have a wood burning stove. I also have two solar panels that help charge a lot of my electric batteries and stuff so I don't drain it off the grid. I like all kinds of energy. I don't see a need to throttle stuff because we think that oh, we're going to make some larger climatological impact when China and India are pumping 3,700 times the amount of pollution that we are outputting in a single year. Did you get those solar panels from Solyndra? Oh, no. (laughs) No, I want mine to work. Uh, I I don't want mine to evaporate in the first year. I'm I'm good. But I like I like this statement that Cruz put out, quote, under President Biden, American families are struggling with record high gas prices and home heating prices, thanks in part to Biden administration's hostility towards oil and gas. And that's purely what it is. Again, he's on tape. He's on record as saying, I want to eliminate fossil fuels in this industry. One study found one hundred fifty seven billion in energy investment 
is tied up in the federal permit process. He's introducing the Energy Freedom Act and reversing Biden's actions so we don't have to resort to tapping. Again, another thing, tapping the strategic petroleum reserves and, 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 and sending way, some of that to China. And, and by the way, I would like to point out that what Senator <sighs> Cruz is doing here is actually how these types of measures are supposed to be introduced. It is not under the authority of the president of the United States of America to just send out an executive order of his whims of the day out to his court and like he's some kind of royalty. I I applaud any senator that actually puts these measures forward in a bill where it belongs. It's not up for SCOTUS, and it's not up for the president to decide these things. It's legislative, so use the legislative branch. Um, Do you want to do a talking dog story, or do you want to do a new debate going around after a customer asked for the tip money back? Oh, we got to talk about the tip money. I I smell a Karen in the water. Um... Well, here, okay, so there's this debate going around after a barista came out with a story about how a customer tipped him $2, but then asked him for the money back. Uh, here is a Starbucks barista explaining the encounter. We're both standing there, and in my head, I'm just thinking, it's $2, dude, it's not that serious. Like, I get, you know, we all have different budgets, but it's also like, it was never that serious. Asking for your tip money back, can I have my $2? I mean, if you uh, like, did he did, accidentally? Did he accidentally hand like the two bucks over? It sounds like probably what happened. If that's the like, case, then just give him the two bucks back. You know, you're you're making a big deal. You have no idea what's going on with the dude. And then to the dude, I would say, hey man, I mean, it's it's just just tip the guy. Both people in this situation theoretically would be wrong, but as far as I know, there's only one person who went to social media going, guys, 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 <laughs> someone asks for their tip money back. The world is ending. <laughs> I, I just like the the tipping in some of these restaurants where they don't do anything, where you do all the work. Oh, and I, you still- I hate that. I hate that. Like there's a store around here that does that. Uh, like. Like just, just I don't need a tip because I went to your refrigerator to get an energy. Yeah, drink. like you, you, you order a Gatorade and they walk up, they shove the iPad in your face and like <laughs> yeah. your, your tip options are fifteen percent, thirty five percent, or your firstborn child. And then like when you you have to like go through, you have yeah. to swipe and tap to get to no I'm tip. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm, I'm i'm not scotty no tip and pippin here i like no. tipping I, when i'm out and, yeah. and there's a there's a waitress or a waiter at a restaurant they we i tip well because i want to be a good mm. testimony I, but if you're getting a gatorade out of the fridge i'm sorry that's not tip it's such a good experience at this new mexican restaurant in zionsville it's called verde verde uh friday you're not loyal to a mexican restaurant are you even a midwesterner what do you mean? I mean, it's a new, it's a brand me, new, it's like a high-end fancy restaurant. Oh, hi, let me explain Midwestern Mexican DJ, restaurants. DJ, the head of live DJ. No, no, DJ no, no, Meals. No. I grew up near Newcastle, Indiana. I went to Los Amigos in Newcastle for 18 <laughs> years of my life. And now I go to Don Rigo's in Greenfield every time I want Mexican. They are, I am loyal to a Mexican. I don't need high fancy. That sounds like a wonderful place. I'm sure that over in Zionsville, you was, guys have it really fancy. Well, we've got an El Toro. we got an El Mason. Um, we got the Salty Cowboy, which is locally owned, but this new place called Verde was excellent. It was packed, but I, I didn't think we were going to be able to get a table. We got right in. We sat down. The service was awesome. How's the salsa? The, a Mexican restaurant sal- lives salsa? or salsa? dies based on how delicious the salsa is. Excellent salsa. I got the, um, oh, what did I get? The, the, uh, 
I forget what I got. <laughs> this had, you were I disappointing like, me over and over. I'm like, going to call your wife. This is not acceptable. Wait a minute. What's so? I'm just giving a good review and saying the you service was actually good. Uh, it's quesadilla. It's like it's like a high end, like a, a, a steak quesadilla. That's nice. What it was. Oh, good. You got to go steak. If you get ground beef, but then I, I was just... sipping on some Patraca Patron. Is that how you say it? Uh, we went with um, our friends that I just got off the phone with Melody, uh, Melody and Dylan. Oh, that um, was that where was, you guys went out to. Yeah, that's what I. That's um, th- those were our friends. Was the DJ good? Yeah, DJ Meals. I think that's his name, DJ Meals. He came up to me after as we were walking out. And he's like, dude. Huge Hammer and Nigel fan. Let's like, go! Starstruck. That's awesome. So, but it's like this high end play, and I'm just saying it was it was it was a good experience. And you and, tipped and, him and, well because the yes, service was stellar. Very well, the service uh, was excellent. And this is not like a paid advertisement. I just like it when I know because it's it's few and far between in terms of restaurant experiences that people have been positive about restaurant experiences lately because it's hard to find help. And and it's 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 hard to get good. When service. someone provides a good service, I let them know because yes. I want that good service again. I, it's a crazy idea yeah, out I'm there, going but back. but no, get a Gatorade out of the fridge. No tip. <laughs> You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on ninety three WIBC. Well, Tony Kennett, you know, for people who say CRT and gender affirmation and things of that nature are not being taught in school. I'm so tired of this argument, but continue. Uh, and you were a uh, former administrator for IPS. You saw it firsthand. That's true. And were, at Lawrence you, North, when I was told that we needed to gather around and uh, and and see which of us was failing more black kids, and that was the most racist teacher. I, I remember that morning. Wow. Yep. Uh, an Arizona pro-parent school board member uh, who was recently elected into that office leaked and alerted parents to some radical science curriculum that's being considered in the Peoria school district there in Arizona. The (laughs) the science curriculum basically discounted the reality of biological sex. So as a former biology teacher, (laughs) I can't wait to hear you continue on this stuff. What did it say? It's it's considering this new biology book that basically lies to kids about biological sex. Um, Quote, we know now that sex is not a binary state. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Sex determination is an active area of research that should yield a more sophisticated understanding. Oh, yes. So here's a fun fact. (laughs) Um, When I was in graduate school, we basically had exercises in lengthening studies and kind of expounding on things in order to provide a more nuanced approach. That's a very fancy science way of saying we found out how to take words, make them bigger words to kind of <laughs> obfuscate what we were saying. And uh, that's really what's going on here. It says sex determination is an active area of research that should yield a more sophisticated understanding. Let me translate. Sex determination, uh, seeing what sex you are, is an active area of research. We haven't decided what it means yet. Yeah. That should yield a more sophisticated understanding. <laughs> we are not ready to make a decision yet because of what we would call qualitative measures or my feelings. But as a biology teacher, former teacher, we now know that sex is not a binary state. I had biology teachers like that. Yeah. Oh, they really. They, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I taught with one for, for a while and she was very well-meaning and really nice person, but she would tie herself in knots trying to explain away the sex and gender binary system. 
So again, for you know, and I've seen countless videos over the past few weeks. I wanted to play a few of them for you. I can't. I, I there was one the other day of a um, it was either an administrator or a teacher saying, "Look, I still teach CRT in my class. We just don't call it that." You know, it's I, I've seen undercover videos left and right. Now I'm not saying. Look, the kid, my teacher's kids, uh, my kids' teachers are awesome. Yeah, I feel like I got to qualify that every time we talk. Oh about no! Something if you like say that. one teacher is bad, Nigel, you're really saying all <laughs> no. teachers are bad and should be thrown in a wood chipper. I know what's going on. But in there your is, head. but there is some good news, like down in Texas, right? A lot of good stories start with meanwhile down in Texas. A bunch of uh, legislators sent a letter to every school district in the state asking them to immediately leave the Texas Association of School Boards because of several issues. Uh, it took the Texas Association of School Boards, the TASB, an entire year to leave the National School Boards Association. You remember the NSBA, right? The one that we're still a part of in Indiana somehow? Yes, I remember. They sent that letter to... Uh, you know, equating parental involvement in school board meetings to heinous acts that, and, and domestic terrorism. Ah, they yes, the, the domestic terrorists of uh, concerned mothers. So, so Indiana's still part of the, oh, yeah. our, the, the national school people board? People think that Indiana is so super safe and conservative, and our education system is just not. Exhibit A, Jennifer McCormick. Please, yeah. Nigel, continue. <laughs> so it took, it took the TASB an entire year to leave the school boards association after it sent that heinous letter. Uh, and then, of course, the the, the pro transgender guidance, uh, enc- encouraging school districts to refrain from reporting child abuse and to obscure information uh, regarding children exhibiting gender dysphoria from their parents. That sounds familiar too. Doesn't oh yeah, it? considering the South Madison Community School Corporation in yes. Pendleton, Indiana, that's doing the same thing. I, personally, I, this is just me. If there was a, a situation, let's say, in which there was some type of a mental issue that a group of individuals suffered with that had a, let's say, 40% suicide rate. Let's just pick a random number out there. I would personally believe that we would want all hands on deck to provide the necessary amount of counseling to bring them out of that situation. No, 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 no. Instead of shoving it it further in. No, they want to hide that. Oh, yeah. Got to hide. I mean, really, if you have an infection or you have a wound, what you want to do is let it fester. Just cover it up. Don't worry about it. What's the worst that can happen? Uh, coming up next, it's Tuesdays with Tony. Tony Katz will hook up live. I want to ask him about Ilhan Omar feigning ignorance about her anti-Semitic remarks. It's just so funny. Absolutely. Absolutely laughable. That is After the News with Harrison Silcox. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey fam, I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, You're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, Tony. Hey, Tony. Pretty boy. Tony. It's Tuesday with Tony Katz on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Uh, don't want to keep Tony waiting. My name is Nigel. Tony Kennett 
is in for Jason Hammer, and Tony Katz is live with us now for Tuesdays with Tony. Tony, how are you? I'm good. What's going down? Hey, man. Um, all right. We'll start with the news. Your thoughts on uh, my man Mitch, Mitch Daniels, deciding not to get in the the, uh, the Senate race. Yeah, I... I... Don't know if I'm particularly surprised. Um, I, 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 when I when it first got discussed, uh, there were some people that I know, like and trust, who said this was a very serious thing. That the 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 odds were absolutely possible for this. That was a few weeks ago. Uh, it, over the weekend, uh, when when I was away talking with some people, uh, it was a feeling that. Well, it could go either way. It seems to be already feeling like eh, this is more bother than <laughs> a guy like him has to go through. His interests are going to be elsewhere, and where can he be? You know, where can he apply himself? That's the way it it, it worked out. I think it had very little to do with the club for growth uh, ads. I think the people who are pushing that line, oh, he got bullied out of it. Oh, he got pushed out of it. I mean, that's just talking to hear yourself talk. I don't right. think there's any basis in in fact in any of that. Uh, pseudo intellectualism might put you in that place. I don't think a, a knowledge base of Mitch nor uh, his, what he may be interested in does. So I think this was just a, do I really need this hassle? Do I really want this thing? And age could have played an, uh, a big part of this yeah. as well. That's yeah, what I'm thinking. I, I mean, the, just the, reading his statement, the end of his statement said, yeah, this job is just not for me. The town's not for me. Then this is not the life I want to live at this point. <laughs> the dude just looks tired. I'm really, the last time I spoke to him, he just sounds exhausted. Like, let the man rest. You don't need the Senate. Nobody needs the Senate. That's exhausting. I'm just talking about it. Do you think, so do you think um, it's it's banks to lose now at this point? At this point, yeah. I, I really and truly do. I had the, the congressman on the on the show, and, and while he wasn't, you know, he's a very, very close to the vest guy, very uh, reserved and, and he, he's never going to speak out, out of school. I got to assume they're all doing cartwheels over there. You know, it, it's a much easier race without Mitch and that name recognition in the race. And there's a question of who else could, could jump in? Who possibly could jump into this? And there's always been the conversation of, of uh, Victoria Sparks in the Indiana 5th. Um, but... I just I don't see that happening in terms of I can't I don't see her winning a, a primary and I think she's got to recognize that as well for a state run for a statewide race so I don't know who else gets in on the Republican side this is absolutely right now Banks is to lose uh, Tuesdays with Tony Katz here on the Hammer and Nigel Show Tony Kinnett uh, filling in for Hammer over there I was texting you Katz over the weekend as soon as I saw uh, Ilan Omar feigning ignorance on what anti-Semitism means and you know the words that she's previously said I, I don't know why i'm always so stunned and surprised by this kind of thing my, my jaw just dropped when i saw that I, I had no idea what the the trope with the money even meant yeah, I didn't money i've never heard of anything like that before it's <laughs> like oh wow we're really pushing it there hun what's your take tony first of all did you just call her hun <laughs> uh it's a it's a it's a it's a habitual problem my twitter <laughs> trolls uh, say that i'm very misogynistic by saying hun very frequently well well look uh, she can talk about the dirty jews but you can't be calling her hun <laughs> Well, you know, you I say look, tooth for tooth. My, my rabbi has been very clear about this. 
that that yeah. she can talk about those slick heaves, you know, <laughs> hypnotizing people with their Benjamins and whatnot. But you can't be calling women hun. I mean, that's just that's just wrong. It's totally okay to refer to Israel as an apartheid state and and uh, and Jews. I mean, I mean, you can make fun of their noses, sure, sure. I mean, who doesn't who doesn't do that right there? But but calling people hun, I mean, that's just an affront to the, the entire uh, Somali uh, population. I, 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 for one, uh, wonder why anybody even stays an, an, an American. My I, uh, gosh, makes me sick. I, makes I, me sick, Tony Kennett. I identify as a Denny's diner waitress, so I'm allowed to call people hun. That's, that's, I don't believe that's how it works either. I don't she, think. She doesn't really, Omar doesn't really believe people believe her. Do, does she? Or do they? I wanted to get back to Denny's uh, waitress. <laughs> Because oh uh, being God. a Denny's waitress doesn't keep you safe. Only being a Waffle House waitress right. keeps right. you safe. You can catch chairs. You can throw a punch. You can do all the things. Does Does Representative Omar believe what she said when she said she didn't know about the tropes of Jews and, and money and when she's does, using terms? And, yeah, and does she expect other people to buy it? What she's using terms like it's all about the Benjamins and Jews hypnotizing yeah. uh, the world. I don't believe her. Of course I don't believe her. There's there's no question that I don't believe her. Does she mean it? It doesn't even matter at this stage of the game. She's got not one thing, not two things. She's got a history, a large and detailed history of her bigotry. Right. It's her problem. She did it to herself. I don't need to worry about it. And she has everyone at the Washington Post, you know, jumping backwards, hand over fist to write any kind of analysis. Well, Omar was bullied <laughs> because she's a Muslim, but like we're just going to ignore the anti-Semitism. And oh, no, it's not anti-Semitism. Well, people just well, don't, don't like Muslims. Don't confuse the issues, right? If, if you want to make the claim uh, that Ilhan Omar uh, or Representative Omar is wrong about something, you're more than welcome to. It, when somebody wants to respond that, well, you just don't like what she has to say because she's a Muslim, that's standard operating procedure in the in the race wars that we deal with uh, all the time. Everything Precisely. being bigotry, everything being uh, angry. They're, if you don't like this one, it's because they're a woman. If you don't like this person, it's because they're black. If you don't like this person, be it's because uh, they're they're Jewish. They're, they'll always throw up the thing that is that is the standard operating procedure. Um, but it is different than whether or not someone's actually willing to believe her. If I don't believe her, it's because she's a Muslim woman. That's absolutely not it. It's because she said the things repeatedly and repeatedly and over and over and over again. She created this because it is what she believed. Now, what does she believe going forward? Well, I'm more than willing with anybody to let them show me through their actions what they're all about. Mm. But what will I get next? Some level of support for at least Israel should exist, you know, even if she disagrees with policy. Or will I get one more subtle dig at Jews from her? Which one will come first? <laughs> Gee, I wonder. Tuesdays with Tony Katz here on the Hammer and Nigel show. So um, the DeSantis-Trump feud is is starting to boil over. Wasn't We're in that, the dumb. Isn't it so dumb? I mean, it's oh. dumb for DeSantis if he gets pulled into this. It's such a waste of time for Trump to think that he can pull this stuff off.
But he, but uh, you know, I, I was sharing today that that audio from uh, DeSantis yeah. defending himself and defending Florida. He doesn't have to do it. He doesn't have to do it at all. If Trump wants to claim that DeSantis getting into the race would be, would be disloyal, he can do anything he wants. It's classic Trump. It's Trump one on one. I would laugh in his face if he said I was being disloyal. There's just no point to this kind of argument. It's it, it's silly, but it's it's classic Trump. I look at. Any race, you know, which is two years out, and I re- and I say like I did uh, two months ago, DeSantis doesn't have to say a word. Just go about doing your thing. Does it mean that he's going to win the nomination? No. Does it mean he's going to lose the nomination? No. But I equally won't listen to the people who tell me, well, you know, DeSantis, he's really like Paul Ryan. This is yeah. we're just in the upside down crazy. You know, DeSantis and and John Boehner, that's the same kind of Republican. Jeb Bush. Stop. Be Jeb Bush. He's bought and paid for. What is that? What? From who? Where? When? Why? You, scoreboard. Florida's doing pretty good. That's so what I got go, to say. So this goes to the idea, and I saw this on Twitter, and I forget who said it. It was it was a wonderfully smart thing, and I and I said it today. To be never Trump is a wholly ignorant position, right? It, it, it's certainly a, a non-conservative position, and the pseudo-intellectuals who claim conservatism, who, who push this, were always laughable in, in, in my eye from the very, very beginning. Well, how do we think about only Trump? If you tell me it's only Trump and no one else, you mean if Trump doesn't get the nomination, you're going to stay home and the other candidate is Joe Biden or Hillary or Bernie Sanders? You're really going to stay home? May I ask, uh, with all due respect, what value do you bring to the table? Because it's not conservatism you're bringing. It's irrationality. It's idol worship. If it's never Trump, it's idol worship. If it's only Trump, it's idol worship. Take a breath. Take a beat. Take a bourbon. Take a look at who the candidates are. Vote in a primary and then in a general. Do smart things. Make good choices. Tony Katz has uh, two shows, 6 to 9 and noon to 3. Thank you very much, sir. Always, baby. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. the hammer and nigel show hello an entire hour of the hammer and nigel show coming up after six o'clock tony kennett is filling in for hammer on nigel you know it's been so funny watching cnn decline well you they're, watch they're, cnn uh, i watch their decline in the ratings oh, okay good. Is what I, you just said, let me finish <laughs> i mean at their lowest point it's something like three hundred thousand people are watching that dumb morning show oh, with that's, Dom so, Lemon. that's so sad isn't it sad and then they were thinking there were reports the past couple of weeks that they were looking for a comedian to fill the nine to eleven spot I mean, so like a, like if you're if you're Jake Tapper, <laughs> imagine hearing rumors that you know this is a guy that's worked all his life in journalism. He thinks he's very well respected and stately and all elitist, and he can't even get the nine to eleven gig because they're going to give it to Carrot Top, which. <laughs> Which they're not doing, by the way. Well, good, because um, all of those comedian shows have failed anyway. Yeah, but here's what they're doing. CNN is adding Bill Maher's overtime segments to its Friday night lineup. So that's going to start in February at 1130 after new episodes of Real Time debut on HBO on Fridays at 10 o'clock. Now, you know what the overtime segment is, right, for the Bill Maher? Refresh, refresh my well, memory. Well, it's here. just they do an hour show, and then they call it overtime, where you only they do like another half hour uh, online, where they take questions. It's like the leftovers. 
It's like the sloppy seconds. This it's, is it's their like big a, idea? Yeah. So CNN is taking Bill Maher's leftovers. Should I be applying for open slots at CNN? <laughs> like, just know. for, you know, I'd hop on you. Yeah, the Tony Kennett Hour over so on it's CNN. Like, so it's a guest. It's their way to get them, uh, uh, their viewers engaged in social media. That's not going to go very well. I, I can't imagine the social media well, pile on. I, I don't blame Bill Maher for this. And he, recently, he's had some takes that yeah, I absolutely okay. agree with. So you can't blame Bill Maher for that. But, you know, it's the stuff. Basically, over time, it's all the stuff that wasn't good enough to make it in the 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 60-minute version that airs on HBO. That's really sad. Is that going to bring viewers? No. Is that? I mean, I don't know how many viewers real-time with Bill Maher has, but I, I don't know if that necessarily is going to translate into more viewers for CNN I mean, on no Friday one's be like, all right, I'm watching this guy. I'm having a good time. Oh, and I have to go change channels to watch the rest of this show? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. I, there is some producer out there who, this wasn't his first idea. This is like plan K. It's got to be. Z. That's such a good point. Yeah, because the people that are going to watch Bill Maher are going to watch him on HBO. They're not going to immediately turn it to CNN an hour later. On Friday nights at eleven. Oh, it's not even like it's not even right after. No, it. it's an it's, hour and a half later. Well, no, it is on the show, but they're gonna, you know, they have to take time to edit it and stuff. I'm sure, and it won't uh, air until eleven thirty on CNN. So, that's the big idea there. Um, uh, low ratings and uh, Bill Maher for CNN. And again, I don't. I, I, I kind of like Bill Maher. A lot of his. Uh, he, he comes and goes for me. Yeah. I, how, how many times do you have to stumble over a root before you stop stepping on the tree? <laughs> I don't know. For him, it's like he, he comes to a conclusion that's like a good conclusion. It's, yeah. like, it's like, you know, I don't think that conservatives are bad. And everyone kind of goes, oh, okay. Oh. But then he forgets? I don't know. I, I, mm. yeah, we are uh, the Hammer and Nigel Show. Tony Kennett's filling in for Hammer today, and we'll be right back. Top stories next.